little excited. We're going to go to class tonight. We're going to do something a little different. Watch this. I just want you to see, as I awkwardly turn this around, there's nothing up here. I don't have a phone with me. There's no notes. We're going to do this on the fly. Now, before you get nervous, I did plan ahead. I mean, I've got a general idea of where we're going. It's in my head. And I do have a few scriptures now that I've thoroughly tangled this all up. And you get to stare at me while I awkwardly try to move it back in place. So we're going to read a couple scriptures and then we're going to go to class tonight. And it's going to be a little interactive, which is not my forte. My wife is the queen of examples and engagement and interaction. So you'll get to grade me and see how well I do on some of this. But if you can go ahead and pull up my first scripture. Matthew 4, 18 and 19, this is Jesus in Matthew's account beginning to call his disciples. And he says, one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew. And they were throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. These boys are not guys who like to fish on the weekend. They are commercial fishermen. This is how they make their living. They know what they're doing. Next verse. Jesus called out to them, hey, come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. Well, that's kind of a curious phrase, isn't it? If you're used to your King James, it says, I'll make you fishers of men. But Jesus is saying, I'm going to teach you how to fish a different way, boys. And they begin to follow him. All right, stick a pin in that. Let's go to the next set of scriptures. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, and you heard some of this this morning in our pastor's message. Now, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Well, sometimes you'll hear that referred to as the fivefold ministry, and we're like, yes, God gave these different preaching and teaching and ministerial roles for the church. Woo, yeah. Keep reading. Verse 12, their responsibility is to preach all of the time and pray all of the time and take care of everybody's needs and make sure that they are well-fed and that they feel loved and that they feel safe and that they feel protected because it's their job to build the church. Isn't that the way we mentally kind of think? What did he actually say? What did Paul say here? What is the job of what we call the ministry. Their responsibility is to equip God's people. Their responsibility is to equip God's people. And what do the people do? To do his work. In case you missed the his, we're referring back to Christ. To do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. The job of the ministry is to equip the body. And it is the body who does the work of Christ. All right, put a pin in that one. Let's go to one more scripture passage. Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5, 6, and 7. And here Paul is mediating a dispute because the church is kind of broken up into different factions. I love this story. Because it's so easy to go, those crazy Corinthians, what were they thinking? And yet we do the exact same thing, right? And so some of them say, I'm a disciple of Peter. And some of them say, I'm a disciple of Paul. And some of them say, well, I'm a disciple of Apollos. And my favorite group, the spiritual group, they're the ones who go, well, I am a disciple of Jesus, right? 
And here's Paul's response to that. After all, who's Apollos? Who's Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work that the Lord gave us. Each of us did the work that the Lord gave us. Next verse. I planted the seed in your hearts, and Apollos watered it, but it was God that made it grow. It's not important. Please, please hear me. It is not important. It is not important. It is not important. You catch that? It is not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that I feel validated in my calling in ministry. What's important is that I get public recognition for what I'm doing. What's important is that my brothers and sisters see me hard at work, and they give me a pat on the back. And by the way, I like all these things, so feel free to compliment me after church. (laughs) What's important is that God makes the seed grow. Guess what, my brothers and sisters? (laughs) This is not about you. Welcome to leadership. Now, I am assuming because you are here on a Sunday night, it's because you enjoy learning and you enjoy growing and you feel something that is happening in this environment as God is challenging you to step up into leadership. It doesn't matter if you've got the title as a pastor or as a teacher, as a preacher, an evangelist, apostle, a prophet. Throw all that all the window right now. The point is you are called to help the body of Christ. And it's not important what role you play in this for what we're talking about tonight. What's important, not whether you plant or whether you water, but notice you will plant and water. What's important is it's God who's making the seed grow. So, Brother Desi, where are you going with all of this? I'm going to teach you how to fish for people. I've given these roles in the church, and their job is to equip the church so they can do the work of the ministry. And then finally... It doesn't matter if you plant and if you water. What's important is God is helping things to grow. I did not, hear me right now as we jump into all of this, I did not collude with Stephen. We did not pre-plan it. I actually didn't even talk to Meg until this morning to hear what she was doing. But tonight, as we are getting ready to close out, for the next few minutes, you can go ahead and put up my title slide. We are going to talk about Guest Care 101. (laughs) So welcome to class. This is going to be fun because Stephen stepped all over everything I was going to say this morning. So we'll see if maybe I can put a little bit of a different spin on it. How many of you know my quote-unquote title here? What is my role? I am the connections pastor. One of my jobs is to help us make connections. Mind blown. You guys are like, whoa, that's what he does. Oh, this is going to be fun. So I'm going to help us make some connections tonight. Hopefully we're connecting the dots, and hopefully we're going to connect some things together and some people together because I am not going to do this all by myself. I desperately, desperately need your help. It is not, hear me, it is not Desi Lugo's job to help this church grow. 
It is not Desi Lugo's job to go around and meet every single new person who comes through our doors. I can't do it. Like, I physically cannot be in six places at once before or after church on a Sunday. I will be a part of it, but I desperately, desperately need your help. And some of you are really, really good at this, and some of you, I was starting to get a bad attitude and frustrated because I feel like you're not engaged, and I'm like, what is their deal? And I felt God kind of check me and say, you teach them. I can't expect you to do something that has not been articulated. So for some of you, you're going to hear this tonight, and you're probably going to go, duh. I ask you to be patient with me. And for some of you, maybe you'll hear something tonight that you haven't thought about before. So let me let you in on a little secret. My wife is the fun one in the group. I know you're shocked by that. My wife is the exciting one. She's the engaging one. My wife walks into a group of people. Sometimes she's never met them. She's like, oh, look at all of these new friends, these people I get to meet and engage with. We moved here. We had been here all of one week, and we decided to go to New York because we had friends who lived there in Manhattan, and they were moving, ironically, to St. Louis, which we had just moved away from. So we were, like, doing this number. And they said, hey, come up and see us before we move. So we had been here one week, and we went up to Manhattan for a weekend, and we got to go with them. And so we are sitting there waiting for the ferry to head towards um, Staten Island. Thank you so much. Because it passes right in front of the Statue of Liberty, and, like, true New Yorkers are like, no, 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 you're not paying for that tour. You're going to get right up underneath it. You're going to be staring at it. It's not even a good view of it. Staten Island Ferry, free. Free. And you get a better view of the Statue of Liberty as you go by. So here we are, and we're waiting for the Staten Island Ferry to come. And we caught it just right, which means, you know, it pulled away right as we walked in. So now we've got a half hour wait until the ferry leaves. So we sit down, and there's this big waiting area. And I get a chair. And being me, I turn, and I begin to talk to our friends, David and Jen, who live in Manhattan. And I figure we've got 25 minutes until we're going to board this next ferry. My wife sits down next to this older couple, and I ignore it because I don't know these people. I don't want to talk to them. And so I talk to David and Jen. And so we get ready to board the ferry, and they're telling, hey, it's time to get in line. And I turn around, and Rachel is still talking to these people, And so we get up, and as we get up, they get up with us. And so we are walking in line to get on the ferry, and they are walking with Rachel, still talking. And so finally they go about their way as we load the ferry. I said, who is that? And she says, oh, this is so-and-so and and -and so-and-so. And they live in Iowa or whatever it was, and they're on vacation, and they've been here for three days, and they have six grandchildren, and he's a retired this and retired that, and they are her new best friends. She probably doesn't even remember their name today, if I'm being honest, but she's Yeah, exactly. She said she doesn't remember the names of most of her friends. But she spent 20 minutes talking to her new best friends as we waited for a ferry, and she'll probably never talk to them again. But they had a lovely conversation, and this comes natural to her, and it drives me crazy because I'm not like that. You weren't expecting me to say that, were you? Because my role is to be the connections pastor, right? Brother Desi's got this. My job is to talk to everybody and make them feel welcomed and blah, blah, blah. And I do my best to do that. And I'm going to tell you something that may surprise you. I've had to learn that. Now, I can do that. But it has to be deliberate. Like oozes out of Rachel. 
does he has to make himself talk to strangers? Did you hear me just say that? So as I get ready to go through these next couple slides, please, please hear me. You can learn to do this. If it does not come naturally to you, you can learn to be conscious of some of these things. Because I have had to learn this. And it happened long before I got here. When I got married, I told my wife that I was a private individual. And I had this little island with a beautiful lagoon and this secluded beach. And I invited her into my life. And I let her step foot on my island. And I welcomed her into my private life and my little paradise. And she built a six-lane superhighway back to the mainland <laughs> and made me talk to people. And we had people over to the house constantly. And she made me meet new people constantly. And I went kicking and screaming at first. And 16 years later, there are times when I am still kicking and screaming. But I do it, and I've learned some of these things. Some of this I learned from her. Some of this I've learned from other people. Why am I sharing all of this randomness? And I sound scattered. I'm going somewhere. Just hang with me. You'll have fun tonight. If nothing else, you'll hear a few funny stories. Here's where I'm going with this. You can learn to do this. Some people are like my wife. And it's very, very easy for them to talk to new people and to make connections and have new best friends who they never even learn their names and will never talk to again. And some of us have to actively work to talk to strangers. I come from a family of people who have to actively work to talk to strangers. My older sister, Michelle, is 47 years old. And if she ever hears this message, she will be so angry with me for saying this publicly. But it's absolutely true. At 47 years old, my sister, Michelle, still has stranger danger. She calls it that when we talk. It weirds her out to speak to people that she does not know. And some of you are like that, and you're laughing because you get it. Okay, I come from a family of stranger danger. And I can learn. And you can learn. Now, before I go any farther, and all of you with stranger danger start getting really, really nervous, I am not, hear me clearly, I am not expecting you to become a Rachel Lugo. Because that would be torture. And it would be mean and unfair and I like you more than that. So I am not expecting some of you to become like Rachel or like some of, I'm just picking on my wife because, you know, it's a free, easy target. But there are some of you out there who are really, really good at talking to people. And I'm not expecting you to be who you are not. So hear me clearly. This is not prescriptive. There is no magic formula. There's no silver bullet. There's nothing at the end of the rainbow that's suddenly going to make you a different person. And quite frankly, I don't want you to be. I want you to be you. But all of us can be conscious of our guests. So go ahead and put up my next slide. We're going to walk through six different things tonight in the next few minutes. And these are things I just want you to be conscious of. And I am speaking to a group of people. I'm doing this on a Sunday night on purpose. Not a Sunday morning, because if you're here, you're in our leadership service, you're in our servantship service, and so I need your help. I'm enlisting all of you, seriously, every one of you who is here. 
I am expecting you to begin engaging in some of the things I'm going to talk about. So the first one is guest consciousness. Now, I'm going to give away a bunch of secrets tonight. So you ready for this? We sit right here, typically. It's just where we've ended up. There's nothing sacred about this spot. But if you've ever watched me when we're singing and when we're worshiping, I move anyways. That's normal. But this is not accidental. I'm actually scanning. I can worship God with my eyes open. I can lift my hands and sing and glorify God as I look around the room and see who is here and who is not. I am not actively taking attendance in Breeze. That's Kiara's job. But I am looking around the room to see who is here and who is not. Why? Because I'm trying to be guest conscious. I'm going to let you know on a little secret. Tonight is Guest Care 101. Member Care 101 is coming in a few weeks. Just wait. Guest Care 101. So I am here. Sometimes I move around. Now, I do feel this. I'm not, this is not all show, right? And this is the way it works. But I can walk around with my eyes open. And I'm not telling you you need to start walking around. But you can open your eyes. And you can look around the sanctuary. It's not that big. You can look around and you can be conscious and think, huh, I don't recognize that person over there. And sometimes we do this, and we go, oh, I don't know that person. Thank you, Jesus. God, you're so good to me. And then we go about our day. Guess what should occur when you look around the room and you go, oh, I don't recognize that person. Something internally, hear me, something internally should say, should say, I need to introduce myself to that person. Because I'm speaking to fellow leaders. You're, you're here on a Sunday night. You see someone who comes to our church and you do not know who they are. Please, please, please go introduce yourself. They don't have to be your new best friend. Hey, welcome this Sunday morning. My name's Desi. You are? Vincent. Vincent, I am so glad that you have joined us. We're glad you're here today. How hard was that? For some of us, we have to work at that, all right? And, and I get to do this tonight because I had to work at it. So all of you who think this is hard, you come talk to me afterwards. I had to work into this. Guess what? For those of you who this is difficult, practice. You think I'm making this up. I had to do it. You pre-memorize some scripts in your heads, Two or three little five-second one-liner things you can say as you introduce yourself to people. You do not have to be a master at this. You just have to be willing to walk up and say, hello, welcome. My name is fill-in-the-blank. What's your name? Nice to meet you. I'm so glad you're with us today. You can do this. But you have to be guest conscious. Now, meet and greet is usually only five minutes. We say three minutes. That doesn't mean anything. We put up a three-minute timer. That's not real. Usually, it's somewhere between four and five minutes by the time we actually transition. Now, during that time, you cannot shake hands and say hello and I love you to all of your friends. Now, you can try to get around to as many people as you know and feel comfortable with as you can, but here's the reality. You are here on a Sunday night, so I expect you to be engaged in leadership, so you have to be guest conscious. 
So this means during that window, if you see someone that you do not know, you need to go say hello to them. What this means in practicality is you're going to have to skip six people you do know and see three times a week. You can catch them before or after service. Walk over to someone that you don't know and shake their hand. Maybe they don't want to shake hands. We've had people who have come and they've sat in the back and they made it clear that they didn't want to shake hands. And you know, I walk by them and I say, you know what? Glad to see you today. You learn what people are comfortable with. But make a conscious effort to go talk to new people. Now watch this trick, because I've had to learn this too, and I have to practice it, because I am terrible at names. It takes me a long, long, long time to learn names. I'm pretty good with faces, but names, not so much. See, I'm demystifying all kinds of stuff, and you think I'm good at this. No, actually, I'm pretty average. I just work really hard at it. Rachel's good at this, not me. So I meet somebody, and I learn their name. Well, I mean, I hear their name. I don't really learn it because I'm bad at names. So I hear their names, and I'm walking away going, Chris, 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 Chris. See that guy over there? His name is Chris. Chris. Five times in the service, I look over there. Chris. His name is Chris. Desi, remember, his name is Chris, Chris, Chris. And then I walk up after service dismisses, and I say, Chris, it was nice to meet you today. I'm so glad you're with us. You know what Chris thinks? Wow, who I am. You know what I'm thinking? Oh, thank God, I hope it was Chris. Chris, 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 Chris. Because I am trying to remember names. And guess what? Sometimes I royally botch it. And they look at me and they're like, my name's Jeff. And I'm like, ha, I am so sorry. I am really bad with names. Forgive me. But Jeff, I'm glad you're here today. I didn't lose anything by being honest. So you just have to make an effort to be guest conscious. And if you really want to make a good touch point, try to introduce yourself to them during the meet and greet if you can. And then when they leave church, you come back up and you call them by name again. And you say, I'm so glad you came with us today. Now I'm going to get to some other things you say. But at a minimum, you can do that. Listen to me. If someone comes and they visit us, and when service is over, and they walk out the door, and no one talks to them as they leave, we have absolutely failed. Is that plain enough for you? So someone comes to visit us, and after service, they walk out the door, and no one has engaged them. No one thanked them for coming today. No one wishes them a good day. We failed. This does not mean everybody's coming back. This does not mean they're your new best friend. It doesn't mean we're going to baptize them. All I want you to do is just introduce yourself and say thank you for coming. If you will do that at a minimum, actually, I want you to do a lot more. I'm semi-lying there. But I will settle for you at least introducing yourself and saying your name. But you have to be guest conscious. You cannot think that's Desi's job. That's Steve's job. Arash is real friendly. He'll go talk to them. No, you go. Say your name. Ask them what their name is. So point one, be guest conscious. All right, let's go to point number two. Can you put up my next slide? Introducing yourself. I kind of half hit this already. It is a mistake to think that if we have a guest, 
that they're going to go around introducing themselves to people. Well, if they really wanted to be here, if they wanted to meet people, they'd walk up and introduce themselves. Nope, 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 nada. Not right. Not going to work that way. You need to go introduce yourself. So you walk up to someone, as I was demonstrating, and you start by saying, welcome, or good morning, I'm glad you're here, or how are you this evening, or something. And you say, my name is, what is your name? And you let them introduce themselves to you. You need to do the introduction. Now, some people, when you approach them, everything about their body language screams. So you need to be conscious of that. There are people who get very nervous when you get close and uncomfortable, and it's not appropriate for you to be right here. Sometimes when you talk to people, Amy, how are you doing today? It's much better, isn't it? You're not, you're going to forgive me at some point. Okay? You need to be conscious of body language. Some people, you're going to be closer to. It's going to be an easier interaction. You're going to be able to touch their shoulder, shake their hand, do whatever. Some people, you can tell everything about their body language. Says, don't touch me, don't touch me, don't touch me, don't touch me. Please don't touch me. Please don't talk to me. Ignore the don't talk to me. But the don't touch me, fine. Stand at a difference. And you can just say, hey, how are you doing today? My name is so-and-so and introduce yourself. But you have to be the one to introduce yourself. You have to be the one to engage in conversation. And then once you introduce yourself, the five minutes as we're getting around to everybody is not the time to have a conversation. Did you hear me just say that? Soft touch point. You can say hello. Now we're bad about this because we're all family and we know each other. So we've got that minute and we'll park in the middle of the aisle Brother Moss, would you stand up? And everybody's here, and I meet my friend, and we're talking, and we're talking, and it's five minutes going, and everybody's walking around us, and they have to squeeze by, and someone's trying to talk to someone else right here, and we are oblivious to the rest of the congregation as we stand in the middle of the aisle for five minutes and have a conversation before church or we're going to have after church. You're getting a workout tonight, aren't you? I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> Thank you. Say hello to each other. But you can say hello before or after service. During this time, I want you to get around. I want you to welcome people. I want you to engage as many people as you can, especially our guests, and you go and introduce themselves. Now, after service, or if they come early and they're before service, please do try to engage someone in conversation. And now I am way out on thin ice for some of you because it's like, ain't no way I'm having a conversation with a stranger. So here's how this works, and I've had to learn this from people who are much better than I. Let me give you the secret to good conversations with new people. You start the conversation, and you engage them in a little bit of conversation. You introduce yourself. You ask them their name, and then mentally have a list of three or four questions that you can ask them ahead of time. For those of you who this does not come natural to, what brings you here today? Do you know someone's church? How did you find us? Figure it out. It doesn't have to be this exact thing, but you find a question or two, and you just ask them, and then you silently wait for their response. Because here's the thing that happens most of the time when we get nervous talking to people we don't know. We over-talk. 
We get nervous and we feel like we have to carry the conversation. Then we just keep going and we talk and we talk and talk and we ask them what their name is and they respond and then we keep going and blah, 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 and we just drown them because we're nervous and we over talk. So introduce yourself, ask a question, let them respond. And I have watched masters of communication, people far, far better than I, who are good at engaging people. And do you know what they actually do? Mostly they listen. They don't really talk that much. And when they talk, half of what they're saying is actually repeating back to the person what they said, affirming, I heard you, and I said, oh, Rick, it's nice to meet you. So you're here from Louisiana. What part of Louisiana are you from? Lake Charles, no kidding. You know, my wife is from Louisiana. We have friends and family who are down in that area, blah, blah, blah. And I let Rick start talking again. Now, I'm going to tease Rick a little bit tonight, and he's okay with it because he's my brother. We know this. He, if you haven't met him yet, is up here working just for the month of March. He attends one of our churches down in Louisiana, and so this is going to be his church home on Sunday nights when he's not working. So please make Rick feel welcome for the next three weeks, okay? All right. I don't know Rick. I just met him, and of all times, in my role as Connection Pastor, he walks in on a business meeting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and our business meeting, no less. <laughs> if you were here last Sunday night, I engage Rick. I start to talk to Rick. Let Rick drive the conversation. If Rick is interested in talking, and Rick was very friendly, and he was, he'll drive the conversation. And I can respond. Oh, so, and I repeat a little bit back, and maybe ask another question. And here and there, I drop a little bit, and I say, you know, my wife is from. And then we move on, and we turn the conversation back to him. It's not about you. You don't have to carry everything. If someone's not interested in conversation, you'll figure it out pretty quick and you can move on. But if they just want to meet new people, if they want to talk and engage, you can do this. So let them drive the conversation. You do not need to do all of the talking. And when you say something, you wait for their response, you listen, and then you affirm what they've said. And you say, oh, you're from fill in the blank, or oh, you know so-and-so, do you? And you gently make a suggestion or a question, and you push the conversation back to them. It's like badminton. You're just batting it back and forth, right? Now, some of you are looking at me going, duh. And some of you, I'm serious, like me, this takes practice. You're not good at this. So you say something, and they say something. And you repeat back what some of what they said, and you ask them another question, and you let them talk again. And you let the conversation unfold. Okay, everybody stand up. And this is where I'm not as good with engagement, but we're going to try something. Yes, Samantha, I'm going to hurt you tonight. You're going to be so mad at me when we're done. I want you to look around the room, and we're with family tonight, so we're going to practice. And I want you to find someone that you do not normally speak to every Sunday. And I am going to pull out my phone, and you have the next three minutes and you are going to go find a member of this congregation and you are going to go have a three-minute conversation with someone that you do not normally speak to. And your time limit starts right now. Rachel Hugo, you... Let someone else talk to Rick. (laughs) 
All right, you can find your way back to your seats. Already there. <laughs> Samantha's got this. She's like, three minutes, thank goodness. Now, how many of you three minutes felt like a stretch? That's okay. Hear me, because I'm in the three-minute camp. Just for sake of comparison, theoretically, theoretically, that's how long our meet and greet is. And I was talking to our executive pastor very quickly. I know it sounds like I'm cheating, but I, I'm trying to do multiple things at once. My goal was not to have conversation tonight. Just so we're clear, when I made the point about talking in the aisle, if someone is a guest and they want to talk, please talk to them. <laughs> that was not clear. The standing in the aisle during the meet and greet portion of service where you have a conversation with one person for the entire time and block the aisle, I'm talking about your brother or sister that you see three times a week, <laughs> not the guest. If a guest actually stops and wants to talk to you for three minutes, park, talk for three minutes. All right, it is 7.30, and theoretically, we get out at 7.30, but I just have so much good stuff. Can you guys hang with me a little longer? All right. Oh, I have been instructed. Okay, let's go to the next slide. Now, this one's going to be fun. Because I've had to work at this a lot. And this one, I still fail. And my wife is laughing in her pew because we have had umpteen conversations about body language. In case you don't know this, because I don't want to assume, most of your communication is actually not the words that come out of your mouth. Most of your communication is nonverbal. And the majority of that nonverbal communication is through body language, which is why, on a total side note that has nothing to do with tonight, Text messaging is such a horrible, horrible way to communicate. Because you've stripped out 80% of context. <laughs> another topic for another time. So tonight we are present and we're here. So let's talk a little bit about body language. There's a whole lot that you can convey with your body language when you are talking to other people. All right? Uh, Caleb, let me borrow you. And Matt, let me borrow you. And Ken, why don't you come? Here, come on up. Gentlemen, come on up. All right. Matt's body language says, why are you picking me? That's part of the reason I picked you. Which is okay. All right, so I want you to think it's before or after service, and I've got some people, and I'm talking to them, and I know all three of these guys. And so move in a little closer, and I'm going to give you the mercy of having your back turned to everybody. That makes it a little easier, see? So we are engaged in a conversation. You notice even the way we're standing right here. It's a relaxed posture. Some of us, we don't really think about this, but this makes a difference. A relaxed posture. This says something. This says I'm not in a hurry, right? This says we're talking, we're having a conversation, we're doing. Now, someone new come visit. Some of you are getting nervous. I'm enjoying this too much. Um, here, Keith, you're a visitor. So Keith is a visitor, and you're standing about 10 feet away. So come a little closer. But Keith is looking around. Look around, Keith. 
and you're not familiar with this place, and you're trying to figure it out, right? What does his body language say? It says, I'm a little lost. Maybe I'm a little, look a little nervous. This is new, right? You want to meet, actually, you're pretty good. Thank you. So he wants, Keith wants to be included. Here's a group of guys talking, but Keith doesn't really know us. There are some people who will go introduce themselves and join a group of conversation, but most people won't. So who do you think has the responsibility of pulling them in? It would be us. And so I see him over there. Hang on, guys. And I can walk over. Hey, what's your name? Keith. Keith, nice to meet you. My nice name's Desi. You. We're so glad you're here today. Here, let me introduce you to a few of my friends. Do you see, even watch this, just the turn. Do you see the hand on the elbow? I'm not putting pressure. I'm just, this says you're welcome. It says you're included. None of this is prescriptive. Did you hear me say that? Don't turn this into a formula. There's no silver bullet for this. You do what works for you. But there are ways that you can bring somebody over and like, Keith, this is my friend Matt. Matt, this is Keith. Hey, this is Caleb. Nice to meet you. Apparently, we're not really touching. Ken, there you go. Right. And so and now we turn this way and we pull Keith in and we can continue to have the conversation and maybe we can include him. There are ways that your body language says you're welcome here. Now, watch this. Same exercise. We're going to do it a little different. I know these guys. Keith, come back over here. Keith is the visitor. I just met Keith this morning. I am trying to follow what Brother Desi has talked about, and I'm being conscious of our guests. I want you guys to, to, to walk by slowly, one at a time. So I'm engaging Keith. I'm having conversation. We're talking, and as we're talking, I'm like, hey, Matt, nice to see you today. Right? And it's like, hey, Caleb, we're going to talk about that later, right? And I go back to talking to him, and then Ken walks by. I'm like, hey, Ken, don't forget we need to. What have I said to Keith with my body language? You're not interested. I'm not really interested in talking to you. All these other people walking around are more important. And I realize we're in a hurry before or after church, but you shouldn't be in as much of a hurry after church. You guys can go ahead and be seated. Here's a, here's a sign of the health of a church body. If you dismiss, you do this when you travel sometime. I'm going to get myself in so much trouble if I keep going. You travel sometime, and you go visit some other church, and you watch what happens after service. If they dismiss, and in 15 minutes that place is empty, that is not a healthy congregation. And I know where I'm at in the Northeast, and everybody's in a hurry, and we all got our places to be, and we're all going to go home, and I don't care. I'm going to kick at that cultural idol. You're not in that much of a hurry. This place empties in 10, 15 minutes. You're not talking to each other. You're not maintaining connections. That's not a healthy sign. So we have a visitor, and you do engage them, and you're talking to them, and everybody's moving around you, and things are going, and I'm reaching around the visitor. Or Watch this. We do this without it. I am guilty of this. Please understand. I know these things because I make these mistakes. I'm talking to someone, and I do this. Maybe for me it's real. But what does this say? What does this body posture convey? Could be cold, it could be arrogant, could be I'm anxious or nervous, I'm trying to move around, I'm talking to them, I'm not really making, I'm bored, right? Okay? Not really interested, I'm talking to them, but I keep kind of looking around them, I'm looking like over the top of their right ear because I want to see behind them. All of this says, I am talking to you, but you're not my priority. So, there are a few little things you can do to change this. If someone is standing, 
Oh, I'm getting extra interaction. I am almost scared to ask. What? That does not apply to mothers with small children. There, it is understood if you need to check on your kids or correct them. Okay. There are caveats to everything I'm saying. I realize if you're a parent with a small child, you're a mother and all, you still need a parent. I'm not saying be oblivious to the world. But in general, you get the idea of what I'm talking about, the way that we communicate with people. If you are talking to someone and they are standing up, turn to face them. I know for some of you, this is really, really simple. For some of you, you may be getting some ideas here. When I am looking at a person face on, it says, you have my attention. If you're a new visitor, I'm like, hey, nice to see you today, and I keep walking, that's me being polite. That is not me saying I'm interested in you, okay? You turn to face them to the extent that you can, and you give them your attention. This says a lot of things, most of which is not open. This says I'm in no hurry. Lean back on one foot. This is not prescriptive. Don't get lost in the weeds. I'm giving you examples. You do what makes sense to you. But there are ways that you can convey an open body posture that says, I am not in a hurry. There are ways that you can tell people without ever saying it, you're important, and my conversation with you right now matters. This is even easier. Someone's a visitor, and you see them sitting, because this happens a lot here. And you can walk by, and you can introduce yourself, and you can say, hey, what's your name? Candace, my name's Desi. It's nice to meet you. And so I shake hand, and then I engage Candace in a conversation. This is a win. This is good. Let me show you better. Hey, nice to meet you. What's your name? Candace. Candace, my name is Desi. I'm glad you're here today. Guess what this says? I'm not in a hurry. Do you see the difference between me engaging Candace in a conversation where she is sitting and I am standing versus where she is sitting and I turn, look, I'm facing her. She's sitting sideways on the pew. Now I'm sitting sideways on the pew and I turn and I face her. It's not awkward. I'm not like right up in her face. There's three feet between us. But this says I can give you a moment of my time. I can sit here and talk. For those of you, sometimes I'm good at this, sometimes I'm not. I need to talk to someone. Maybe they're sitting towards the end of the pew. There's not really room for me to sit here. If you're able to, I may turn, squat down, right? Make contact. I, I must have hit the switch or something. So I kneel down. Maybe you can't kneel down. Then don't kneel down. That's not the point. The best you can do to get at the same level, if they're standing, stand. If they're sitting, sit. If you can't sit, see if you can squat or kneel. The point is you engage people at the level they're at and your body language says a lot. You don't have to be good at conversation. Just the fact that you will pause, just the fact that you will face them says you matter and I'm not in a hurry. And the more that you can, and you may be in a hurry. I am always looking around and I've got all kinds of, and people pulling at me, especially on a Sunday morning. But even if it's for two minutes, if I can convey that you matter and you have my undivided attention for the next 90 seconds, it says something. All right, I got to clip along. Let's go to the next thing. Sharing info. Oh, 
who's going to make us do it? Stephen already got most of this, so I'll move a little faster. You're talking to someone. You're engaging with them. You find out a little information. Remember, they don't know us. They just met 150 new people this morning. What's the easiest thing you can do? You talk to them. You engage them. Let's say you really do hit it off. You have a decent conversation. You find out they live in your neighborhood or they have an interest in blah, 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 or whatever. You find some way to connect with them. You can say, you know what? Now, you find the dialogue that works for you, but you find a way to give information to them, and you share your info. Here's my number. If you've got any questions or you want to know more about the church, I'd be happy to talk to you again. You come back and visit us again, let me know. I'd be happy to sit with you. Something like that. Stephen suggested this morning, do you have your phone on you? And if they're willing, you can... Put your information in. Or if they're willing, you pull it out and you say, here's my number. Turn around, you hand it back to them. And you say, you're welcome to give me a call. Or you're welcome to text me and I do my best to answer questions or whatever the wording is for you. Did I ask for her phone number? No. Don't. Let them volunteer it. About half the time, they'll turn around and give it back to you. and say, well, my number is. And about half the time, they won't. And if they don't, that tells you something. Soft contacts. Now, I just gave my number to that person. Guess what? They may or they may not call me. They may or they may not text me. If they don't text me, especially for someone like me who grew up in a stranger danger environment, guess what I've lost? Nothing. What if they do? What if they do contact you that week and they want someone to pray with them? Boy, that would be a real shame for your Christianity, wouldn't it? You don't lose anything by being willing to share. Now, you do what makes sense to you at the level that you feel comfortable. This is not prescriptive. But my point is, oftentimes we think of sharing info, and a lot of times it's like an exchange. Like, I give you this, and then you give me that. And you're not at that stage yet. You're not dating Extend a gesture of friendship and kindness. You give them some info, and if they share theirs, great. If they don't, it's a soft contact. They have something. They can reach out to you if they feel like it. Hopefully, when we have guests, they leave here, and they know something other than the church phone number. Hopefully, someone's made some kind of connection with them. I have more to say on this, but I'll move on because Stephen already hit some of it this morning. Let's go on to the next point. In addition to sharing info, oh, let's talk about praying together. I almost took this out, and I was wrestling back and forth, and felt like God said, go for it. So we have a visitor. Now, I want you to put yourself in the viewpoint of a visitor. We're used to praying. We're used to altar services. We're used to coming down here and spending time in prayer. We have tried to the best of our ability in this church to make people feel comfortable, whether they want to go down or they want to stay in their pew. Some people who come from church backgrounds, they get it. They have no problem walking down here and praying. Other visitors, this is weird, and this is different, and we're a little odd, and they don't know what's going on. And now, there's 150 people I don't know, and you just invited me to come down in front of these 150 people, and you want me to pray. It's a huge deal if they walk down front. Don't miss that. And don't blow it. Because if somebody is willing to walk down front, there are ways that you can pray with someone that is very relaxed and it's comfortable and it's acceptable and nobody usually gets weirded out. And there are ways 
that can make someone uncomfortable. I don't know this person. This should not be my first response. (laughs) Now you're laughing because we're Pentecostals and we've all seen this happen repeatedly. Not only is this not my first response, this is a fail. (laughs) So I just went from really bad to total failure. Now you're laughing because you've seen it and you know it's true. Don't you be like that. In case you didn't know, you have now been educated. This is not an acceptable way to pray for someone you don't know. Now, sometimes we get nervous. I did that one to make you laugh. But I want you to hear. Sometimes we're willing to pray, and the Spirit prompts us. and says, go pray for that lady. And so we wrestle with God if you're like me. You're like, no, somebody else can go pray. And he says, no, you go pray. And I'm like, no, it's okay. And he says, no, you go pray. And so finally, about the third time, I'm willing, and I walk up to so-and-so. I don't know her. She doesn't know me. And some of us, and I get it because I'm in this camp. We feel uncomfortable. So we slide up next to them, and we pray quietly beside them. And we may even say something like, Jesus, touch my sister, and I, I hope that she's feeling your presence today. And this person's not deaf. I mean, they can hear this stranger who just walked up right next to them and is standing next to them and is kind of sort of soft quasi-praying for them, but not really praying for them directly. Or, Or we get really, really nervous and we're hoping the Spirit helps us. So this is even better. We walk up, we don't introduce ourselves, we don't talk to them, we just stand next to them and pray in tongues the whole time. Because that so helps visitors, especially if they're not familiar with Pentecost. So now this stranger walked up to me, is not talked to me, and is babbling gibberish. Is this real enough for you? All right, so let's try this again. It's a church service, and the Spirit prompts you to go pray for someone, and you don't know that person. It is, hear me. It is perfectly appropriate in a soft and kind, gentle way to interrupt them. This lady's praying. And I see her praying, and the Spirit prompted me to do it. And I walk up, and she's praying, and I say, Hello. How you doing? Good. If you don't mind, I was praying, and I felt like God prompted me to come over and pray with you. Is there anything I can pray with you today? And now you put it in their court. Now, I will tell you, probably a third of the time, I've had people look at me and say, no. (laughs) What do you do with that? So she says, say no. Uh, No, thank you. No, thanks. I say, well, all right then. I just want you to know you're welcome here. and We're glad you came today, and I hope you feel the presence of God. Mm -hmm. And you walk away. And when you are out of earshot, you pray for them anyways, because that's what the Spirit told you to do. (laughs) Now, option two, anything I can pray with you today, and their body language and everything says, yes, I would like someone to pray for me, but I don't know what to pray. And they may say, I I don't really know what to pray, or "I I don't have any prayer requests or something like that. So your response at that point, if they haven't shut you down, your response at that point is, remember, this is not prescriptive. These are general ideas. You make it yours. You say something along the lines of, well, if it's okay, I'd like to pray with you for a moment, and, and let's just pray that God touches us today. And so you lead them in a prayer, and you say in your own words something about how 
We pray that they're feeling the presence of God that day and that God is speaking to them and that his word is affirmed in their life and that they would hear him and that they would recognize his voice and that he would continue to lead and guide them. Prayer blessing on them. God, I pray as they go throughout this week that they would feel your presence in an incredible way and that you would bless their day and that you'd give them peace and that things would go well at work and et cetera. Like, who doesn't want a blessing? Okay, what have you lost? You made a soft contact. Third option. You walk over because the Spirit's shoving you if you're me and you finally come over and you talk to this person and you introduce yourself and you politely interrupt and you say, is there anything I can pray with you today? And they say, yes. And then they say, my knee is really hurting mm-hmm. or whatever it is. And they have that prayer request. And you say, well, good, because I felt the Spirit led me to come over here and pray with you. Is it okay if I pray with you for your knee? And they say, yes. Now, this takes practice. You got to look at their body language. Some people are going to close their eyes and they're going to shut their mouth and they're going to wait for you to pray. And that may be all you get. So you just work with it. Some people will pray along with you. Some people are comfortable with you touching them. This is still an inappropriate response. Some people are not comfortable with you touching them. And you watch. Sometimes I will walk up. Do you mind standing for me? Sometimes I will walk up to someone and I will just stand. I'll turn my body a little bit towards them. But I'm I'm not head on. I'm not instructing. This time I'm praying. And I just pray with them, and we pray quietly together. Sometimes their body language, and it takes practice, it says that I'm open to prayer. And so I will ask. Hear me. You ask. You ask. Everybody got that, right? You ask. I will ask, is it okay if I put my hand on your shoulder? Is it okay if I hold your hand while we pray? And they will say yes or no. Maybe they don't say no, but they go. And you say, you know what? Don't worry about it. We can just stand here. They may extend their hand or they may say yes. And if appropriate, this, if given permission, is acceptable. This, if given permission, is acceptable. This says you're a human. This says I'm touching you. I care. We're having a connection. We're going to pray together with Jesus. This is appropriate if they give you permission. All right? You're not violating anything by praying with someone. You're not violating anything by doing this. You, you haven't broken any rule by doing this if they're comfortable with it. Thank you. So learn to pray with people. But you cannot pray effectively until you've engaged them and they know you're there. It's not really that good to just kind of saddle up next to someone And Lord, I I pray that you would please touch my sister today. Amy, you picked the wrong pew tonight. I'm so sorry. But Jesus, I pray that you would touch my sister and that she would feel your presence. And the whole time Amy hears me and she's thinking, like, who is this guy? And I'm not actually making eye contact with her and I haven't introduced myself. But, oh, Jesus, touch her today. And then I slip into tongues and now this weird dude is, like, babbling in gibberish and I have no idea what's going on. And I just want to get out of here because this is awkward. Don't do that. Introduce yourself. Ask if you can pray. Ask what can I pray for. And likely you're going to get one of those three responses. They say no. You say, I'm glad you're here today. And you slip out. And once you're out of earshot, you pray for them anyways. You never not pray. Did you catch that? Second, they say yes, but I don't know what to pray. 
then you lead them in a prayer. Third, they have a specific prayer request. They have a specific prayer request, pray with them. If they invite you to pray with option two or three, you ask, can I put my hand on your shoulder? Can I hold your hand? Do some soft touch point. Not this. All right, let's move on. Is this okay? I know I'm going long tonight, but you guys still with me? You got a few more minutes in you? All right, showing versus pointing. How many of you have walked into Walmart or Lowe's or Home Depot or Costco or BJ's or some big, huge warehouse-type store that has 50 aisles and thousands of items of merchandise? Okay, every one of you should have your hands up. I know you've all gone into some place like this. How many of you needed to find something? And so you go find an employee, right? And you walk over to them and you say, excuse me, can you tell me where the deodorant is? And their response is, yeah, uh, aisle 17 on the left. Anybody ever have that experience? Probably every single one of us, right? And you'll take the information. Now, this is not as common. How many of you have walked over to an employee and you've said, excuse me, can you tell me where the deodorant is? And they stop what they're doing and they say, here, I'll show you. And they stand up and they walk over and they take you to aisle 17 and they go, we have this, this, and this. And here you go. Do you have any other questions today? Anybody ever have that experience? Which do you prefer as the customer? Of course, this is pretty obvious. Hi, what's your name today? I'm just making it rough. <laughs> Amy, I'm so glad to meet you. My name is Desi. Is this your first time with us? No, no it's not. How many times have you visited before? Too many. No. Too many. <laughs> Amy said, Amy tells me it's her first or second time, and I've just introduced myself. Well, Amy, I am so glad you're here today. Before you leave, we have a reception room. It's right over there. And on your way out, as you don't know anybody and you're a total stranger, I'm pointing you to that room you can't see around the corner. Would you please stop in there of your own volition and talk to some more strangers? Now, you're chuckling, but we do this. I'm not going to make you stand up and walk with me. But the better response is say, here, if, if you're willing, and they may not be, but if they're not too much of a hurry, invite them. And then walk with them to the reception room. Now check this out. Here's the door. And I say, there you go, Amy. And I walk away. That's still not okay either. So walk with them into the reception room. So if you're waiting, you have my permission. If we have guests here and you're able to connect with them, Walk them into the reception room. Introduce them to whoever was the preacher that morning. Engage them and say, this is Amy. This is her second time here, and I want to introduce blah, 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 and make connections with people. Don't point, show. A little bonus for you. We invite people. I've learned this. Rachel's much better than this. We invite people. They're like, hey, you're welcome to get a bag of chips or a drink or something like this, and I point at the chips. And they may or may not take it up on it. Watch what happens if I walk over and I grab a bag of chips and I open a bag of chips and I turn around and I start talking to her as I'm eating the chips. And I've had two chips and at this point I say, would you like a bag of chips? You know what your chances are that someone's going to take you up on the offer for food? It goes way up. You go over and you get a drink and open it and you're talking to them and you're relaxed. My body posture says I'm not in any hurry. I take a sip and I keep talking and we're so glad you're here and let me introduce you. Would you like something to drink? 
See, everything I've just done says this is okay because I took one. See, it's body language. Show, don't point. And I have to hurry on. I believe I have one more. Yes. Yes, thank you. I didn't make it clear enough. If you bring a guest into our guest reception room, you are not dropping them off for childcare. <laughs> Stay with them. This is not a special secret room that you're not allowed into. So, if you are able to make a connection with a guest and you can walk them in, stand there and talk to them. Now, this means you have to be big boys and girls and you can't be in as much a hurry on Sunday because there are times where they may stop in and they're there for three minutes and there are times when I have stood in that room for 20 minutes after church. You walk them in, you make that commitment mentally. This is more important than whatever I'm doing right now. Okay? It may be three minutes of your time. It might be 20. And that 20 minutes is likely the difference between them coming back and them not. So if you get a chance to connect with a guest, do it. If you can walk with them into the reception room, do it. If you can grab a bottle of water or a soda or a bag of chips or whatever, do it. You have my permission if you need it. And then after you have taken something for yourself, this is very deliberate. After you have taken something for yourself, offer it to them. And they're far more likely to engage because you engage. And then stand there and talk with them till they're ready to leave. There are many times where someone did not pray down here, but they did pray in the reception room. You don't know when the connection's going to happen. You just have to be available to it. And I think, because my memory's slipping me, I think I have one more, correct? Yes, go ahead and go to the last one. Connecting people. If you host a small group, this is my setup for next time when I go to member care. If you host a small group, would you please stand up? I did make you stand up. I forgot track of my notes. If you host a small group, stand up. Thank you. Thank you so much for letting us have people in your homes. If you did not know this, these are the people who host small groups. And they're not even all present here tonight. My job as connection pastor is to make connections, not be everybody's friend. Now, I will do my best to connect with people, but I also want to connect people to people. So if you are the host of a small group, don't be surprised when I come to you with Susan, who's our first-time visitor, and I find out that she lives in Bear, and she's interested in a small group. Well, Amy hosts a small group at her house in Bear, and I'm going to introduce her to Amy, and Amy and Susan are going to talk to each other. And for our small group hosts, I'm going to get to the rest of you in just a second. Please hear me clearly. The expectation is that you will give them your number. If you're willing to let people in your home, you've got to let them contact you. So you make sure before they leave they have your number and they're able to at least have a way to contact you, you tell them about your group. There's no reason for me to stand here and introduce Marcus to Amy and then speak for Amy and say where Amy lives and tell Marcus Amy's phone number and tell her what night of the, why? You don't need me at that point. You make the connection. You connect with those people. You can go ahead and be seated. And for everybody else, please hear me. Our goal is to connect people to people. So go ahead and stand with me as I close. Thank you for letting me go extra long tonight. Some of you, this was torture. Some of it was engaging. I appreciate you being with me. Connect with each other. And I may introduce you to someone. There are times like this morning where Sister Dahlia went and she met Elaine. 
And I introduced Sister Dahlia to Elaine, and then I walked away because Sister Dahlia needs to talk to Elaine. And Dahlia and Elaine need to make a connection. I introduced them. I don't need to broker the connection. So we're going to get better at this. We are already a friendly church. I regularly hear that we are a friendly church. So this is not a correction tonight. I regularly hear that we are a friendly church. That's a good thing. I want to make it to where we're a church that on a Sunday morning someone comes to visit us and they have to work to leave because there are so many people who wave hi to them and who say hello and I'm so glad you're here. And they may never come back, but they're going to walk out going, that is the friendliest place I have ever been. And we want these things to happen. How many of you can do what I've talked about tonight? This, this is not too scary, is it? So stay tuned. Part two. Member Care 101 is coming in a few weeks. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you that these people love me enough that they will let me abuse their Sunday night and keep them extra long. But I do pray that they've heard something tonight that will help them grow, that will help us connect together. We want to do this because we're going to plant and we're going to water and we know that we're not the important part. The important part is you and the work of your spirit as you allow these seeds to grow. And we pray that this would happen in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for staying an extra half hour tonight. You're dismissed. And we do have a jam session. So for those of you who are vocalists, in five minutes we're going to start our jam, our music.